Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're going to talk about economic modeling. Is it any good? Well, I think it's garbage. Can it change? What can we do about it? Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, this week, I'm going to talk about economic modeling and how it grinds my fucking gears. And I really mean that. Um, if you are um, into reading academic papers, you may have seen some academic papers from the economic world with a bunch of equations. Um, these equations, uh, from my experience, 99% of the economic models um, that I read from academic papers are utter fucking bullshit. And I really mean that. And one of my first tests, so when I when I get uh, referred or recommended um, an academic paper um, from uh, the, the economic realm, uh, the first thing I do is I look through the paragraphs and I'm looking for the equations. because so I got one fucking test I want to perform, and that's a dimensional analysis. I want to see if the variables, and these are in the form of Greek letters, um, shorthand letters, to represent full names, I want to find out what those mean, and then I want to apply units to them myself, and then I want to solve those equations, okay? If I find one fucking variable that has a problem with its units where it doesn't make sense, okay, I will not read that fucking paper. And 99% of them, I run into that fucking problem. That's fucking alarming. That's really fucking alarming. Grinds my gears. And it really, I had to do a blog. And I'll post the blog in the description um, on the podcast. Uh, so wherever you're watching this podcast, uh, make sure you follow me so you get um, my podcast all the time. I'll put it in the description. You can take a look at the blog at my complaints about economic modeling as opposed to the natural sciences. Um, and my reasoning why one sucks and one seems to be quite predictive um, and accurate through time. Um, and if you're watching this on YouTube, so instead of listening, I'll link it in the description there too. Make sure you subscribe and like the video. That really fucking helps me. And hey, comment too. I love the comments. You notice, guys, you notice I, I reply to them all, all of them, even the trolly ones. But um, yeah, I, what I'm doing right now is I am creating a large national model. Jay Forrester attempted this 50, 60 years ago um, using system dynamics. Um, and I basically have three prongs going. It's been about a year now since I've started this project. And so in the first prong, I, I just essentially copied and pasted my mentor Steve Keen's models and integrated them all together. Um, so there is some soundness to that because each of his small models are correct. Okay. You can do dimensional analysis. The math is correct, right? The dynamics are correct. The problem when you, when you do that though, is you need to make adjustments when you integrate these different models, you're going to get, it's complex, it's complexity science, right? So you're going to get anomalies, right? So it's not as easy as just copying and pasting. Now, I did develop a, a large, in that prong, we'll call it beta one. In that prong, I, I completed a model. Do I think it's right? No. Do I like the complexities of it? Yes. 
Okay, so I had to move on and I, I took a different approach in beta too, um, which I, I've released a few versions on my Patreon. Make sure you sign up to my Patreon so you can get these uh, updates. Um, it helps me out. It helps me do the research, right? I'm a day trader, you know, in the morning and re researcher by the afternoon. One pays me money, one doesn't. So the uh, Patreon, it does help, right? It, it brings in a little extra funds and justifies my time. Uh, at least to my wife, um, that I'm accomplishing something in life. So in the second prong, my focus was, okay, let's dial it back. We, we've got these different models um, from Steve Keen and a few others. Um, um, Tim Garrett. So there's a few people out there. And now Tim Garrett's more in the, the physics universe. Um, and I'm going to get to that you know, why economics needs engineering and physics. I'll get to that. So in this second model, it was all about being stock flow consistent, okay? Important, win godly, hero of mine, okay? So that was important. Um, so I did all that. I created, you know, all these, uh, in Minsky, um, Steve, Steve Keen and Russell Standish developed uh, the godly table, which is just an accounting table where in your columns, you have your different stocks, and then on your rows, you have your flows, this is system dynamics, right? Flows go into stocks, flows come out of stocks, right? In system dynamics, the most important thing that develops your feedbacks, flows aren't that important. Really, it's the stocks. It's the change in the stocks that are giving you your positive and negative feedbacks. Without that, there is no system dynamics. That is the way it is. Straight up, you ask any system dynamics, academic, uh, that works in the field with system dynamics, they will tell you the same thing. So that was my goal. Now, I can't, I can't got all these stocks, um, but they're not doing anything. Okay. And, you know, one of the basics in system dynamic modeling, and this is why it's really hard to apply it to monetary dynamics, is that every stock you create in a model should do something. So it's creating a feedback. If you're just making a stock for the sake of making a stock, it's kind of pointless, you know, and your computer, you, we're running these models on computers, right? It's each, each stock um, basically creates an ordinary differential equation that your computer has to solve, which requires computing power. So there's no point in creating a stock if it's not doing anything, you know. If it's uh, to, to measure something, well, um, just come up with a better way with stocks that are being used to measure something. So that was a big problem in the beta too, is I have all these stocks, but they're not really creating all these, all that many dynamics. So I, I went on a third prong and the third prong I decided, okay, let go of everything Steve Keen has done. I'll dive into it and I'll pick the parts that I need. Let go of having this massive, you know, initially, this massive stock and flow, you know, system and just go right down to the basics, right? The very, you know, I, I myself and a lot of other people really like the Goodwin growth cycle model as the foundation of the endogenous dynamics um, in a national economy. So I just started from there and whatever stocks were re relevant, which are just two, there's just two stocks, right? And that one is the level of capital and the wage level. That's what I would focus on, right? And then I'd add a little sliver. 
And I'm this time around on beta three, I'm not being bothered. Well, okay, I'm just adding a little piece, but this doesn't represent the whole economy. It must be garbage. I got to go all out. No, just one little piece. Make it work. Add the stocks and flows. Right. Account the monetary dynamics. Then move on. Now, there's no references, papers for me to really work from, except for a very select few where I can um, really decide if what I'm doing is realistic. So I'm counting on a dimensional analysis. When I add something, I'm adding a unit to it right away. All right, so my math makes sense. I'm not going to add one kilometer to one kilogram. That doesn't make sense, right? So if you have your units established, you're not going to do that. It'll throw up what's called a dimensional error when you do a dimensional analysis, which is a big fundamental thing in system dynamics. Um, you can't do a model without doing it. If you're not, you're kind of skipping the process, right? You want to be able to demonstrate that your math is coherent. And that's a big problem with traditional economic models is often they don't even apply it units right so when i read these papers i gotta apply my own units okay well what what it, what do they mean here okay that's a unit of dollars what do they mean here um you know that's um a unit of discrete time it's a whole nother fucking problem that's a big problem so i, I wrote this blog and i realized before writing i realized you know some fundamental issues and there's a lot with behavior and stuff like that but some fundamental issues to make an economic model realistic is you're going to have to include elements from physics and engineering. So you can include fundamental con constants. And when I talk about a fundamental constant, I'm talking about the speed of fucking light. Okay? Economics doesn't have stuff like that. Right? So their models are all subjective. They're, they're value judgments. Right? And I have a big fucking problem with that. Right. So it's hard when you per, you can't perform. You had uh, 2008, the financial crisis, as an experiment. You built a model around it. You explain it, right? The constants from that time period have changed in the time period now. So you can't run that same test again because generally economic models don't have fundamental constants. So one of my, my goals and beta three, and really, and this, I, I've been calling this stock flow monetary dynamics is a working title. Could be a book, could write a paper, who knows? Yeah, the, the model is coming along quite well, I might add. But uh, I won't toot my own, uh, own horn too much. Um, I know some, some other live streamers like to do that. <coughs> Douglas, um, I'm not going to do that. I'll wait till the project's finished. Um, but one of my goals is I, I need to introduce fundamental constants into this model so I can apply uh, this model to different tests throughout time and into the future. Um, but you need to create fundamental constants, right? A structure, a boundary. So in system dynamics, you have, let's, you have a circle, okay? If you're listening on the podcast, my finger is drawing a little circle. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you will see my finger drawing a little circle. You have your endogenous variables within your circle, okay? So such and such is feedbacking into such and such, which feeds back into the initial such and such. 
Then you have exogenous variables that influence the endogenous variables within the circle. So on the outside of the circle, you have... Um, now, can, I wonder if people can hear this. My dog is slurping on water right now. This is what happens when you have a studio that shares um, the space with your dog. Isn't that right, Marty? Marty's done drinking water. Anyway, so on the outside of the circle, you have your exogenous variables that control um, the endogenous behaviors. So those are kind of like boundaries of your model. These uh, are places where you would put fundamental constants, right? The, you know, the speed of light. You know, it's exactly the same all the time. And then you decide, okay, what variables am I going to leave out? And in economic modeling, you have to do that. You just have to. There's, there's too many variables. You can try to aggregate a lot, um, but ultimately you just decide, okay, the boundaries of my model, I'm not even going to include uh, such and such variable because I do not understand it. In mainstream economics, they'll try to include variables they do not understand with a correlation um, relationships. Um, and they just, okay, there's a correlation there. So I'm going to include this variable in my model without understanding what's really happening. You're just better off leaving that fucking variable out. You're better off. So that's, that's my challenge right now is I am trying to include elements of physics and engineering in my model to structure the boundaries of it with some sort of fundamental constants. And then the, I have to then address the fact that the constants in economic models are constantly changing. So they're parameters, they're not really constants, right? And so you, you could, some of the traditional constants that economics use, you could change them into variables, right? So develop feedbacks and stuff. But if you don't understand them, I'm leaving them the fuck out, Okay. Or I create them as parameters, so they're not constant. And so in the, the modeling program I use, Minsky, I can create a parameter variable, and the user that's at, uh, simulating the model can change those parameters according to the conditions in the country and the time of the model being implemented to test a certain subject. Economic modeling... At this point, in my opinion, is basically philosophy. Economists, to me, in my opinion, and I mean most of them, are philosophers. Great stuff, great writers. It's not, it's not science at this point. It is not fucking science. And I see it across all the different sects of economics when I read those papers. Mainstream, neoclassical. Austrians, heterodox, post-Keynesians, employing those math models that I have already described in detail why I don't like them, right? Are you good philosophers? So, and so some philosophers I completely disagree with, like Austrians and neoclassicals, um, that, you know, the, the market rules. Well, 2008 happened. What, the market didn't fix that, right? And you got post-Keynesians, philosophers that I do agree with, you know, the social benefit to some degree. Um, there are a few, 
right? There are a few like physicists that come into economics or engineers that come into economics. And I'm like, well, they'll develop a small model. I'm like, okay, this is based on realism. This is acknowledging the limitations of the knowledge of the, the economic system uh, by not creating ver- variables they do not fucking understand. Right? So there are, there are small, small slivers of, of hope in economic modeling. But for the most part, it's all fucking garbage. All of it. It's trash. I'm coming along. I'm coming along with my model. Um, I think my goal with it, you know, without a team of researchers, um, it's it's not going to be a, 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 a... It could be a model that you could apply to a country and change certain parameters and initial conditions, so starting conditions of the model, and have it predictive. But my main goal is this is a model where we're starting in dollars and a couple hundred people, right? And it grows, and it creates its own emergent behaviors. And I'm looking at this model. It's still coming along, and I've, I've gotten to the point where it has its business cycle, which we can see. Um, in the economy, that's playing as day, but it's also having secular cycles. And this is really interesting to me that I think I'm getting closer to what I would call the evolution of capitalism. So I'm, I'm implementing a few new things um, that I think are important. And it's obviously addressing agriculture, industry, okay, and then like retail and the service sector. And there is a path. There is a path in all capitalist economists going from those three things. And I think that's very, very important because it, it's going to allow the model to say, the, what is the well-being of an individual? You know, If your nation can produce its own food, individuals in that nation are going to prosper more. That's food security as opposed to importing it, which I've got. This is a full model. It has an import-export sector. So I've created a boundary. The boundary is the nation itself, but it does have a connecting factor to the international uh, market. And the international market I treat as constants. Okay, They don't understand it um, per se. So I'm not not even going to attempt to... uh, create an endogenous um it just would be too massive be way, way too massive we would be talking about tens of thousands of variables it's even the new earth for all world model only has 800 variables okay just to give you an idea and that's a group of uh, talented researchers building that model so you know i've i've created my limitations by boundaries but it does have an import export model um module to it um, and so having these different sectors, right, I'm going to have to use different units. So, you know, one thing is I'm using energy as a unit. So megajoules, I'm using, um, kilometers of land, square kilometers, right? So I'm aggregating a lot of things because this is a national model, right? So I'm finding macro, um, explanations for macro definitions, Okay, so square kilometers represents all the resources within that square kilometer. And as that land is used, 
exploit it and changed into housing or businesses or industry, right? Those dynamics exist. And that's a big part of the evolution of a capitalist society. Big, big part, right? So capitalism in America uh, in 1880 is a lot different than capitalism in America in 2020. Right. And there has to be there has and that has to be defined, I think, in a model and where it's gonna go. Some interesting things I found too about imports and exports. You know. That's a big, big part of you know what I, I think it's greatly underserved international economics across all the fields, you know, post-Keynesians, um, the mainstreamers. You know, I'd like the MMT to really focus on international economics you know to broaden that field out um so i've i've discovered some emergent properties that are really quite interesting um and i just need to develop a model further before i can conclusively say okay exports are a benefit no they're not a benefit imports are a balance uh, trade um balances more acceptable etc 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 what does it mean is it different in each country, right? The desires of each country and the nation, the individuals in that nation differ from nation to nation, right? So I saw a tweet from Warren Mosler today, um, and he was explaining that uh, Australia has a, a trade surplus, and he is essentially saying it's the equivalent to deficit spending. But MMT says imports are of a material ben- benefit, right? And that countries that are exporting their stuff are exporting their wealth. But it's a lot more complex than that. And everybody, each school has its different th- thoughts, right? For me, in the context of Australia, their natural wealth, they have a smaller population. If it's just in the ground, we'll exclude the ecological damages. I can get to that. We exclude the ecological damage. If it's just in the ground domestically, it's worth nothing to the individuals of Australia. So hence, they make an income in an industry of servicing the international sector with the resources. Right? That's creating wealth for them. That makes the resource of wealth to them. Otherwise, it's just dirt in the ground. Now, I advocate and my vote is just leave it as dirt in the ground at this point. I just don't see that happening, but, you know, we are hitting some planetary boundaries, you know, hottest days uh, on, on the planet now. Records are being set this summer, but it's a complex issue, you know, imports and exports and it being modeled um, in, in economic models. Find me on Twitter, Twitter, Ty Keen's YouTube at Tykeens, Tykeens.com, all my shit's there. Patreon.com slash Tykeens. Help me out, support me there. I notice I, I, I do my blogs there. Twitter actually downgrades any, any links to Patreon. So I I'm basically have to put these links out on LinkedIn and my community tab on YouTube. And I get more impressions there. LinkedIn, I've only got a couple hundred followers. I get more impressions there um, than with thousands of followers on Twitter. 
And Twitter won't let me monetize. Put a little subscribe button on there. Make a cup of coffee or whatever. They won't let me. I've, I've, I've applied for it. They gave me the option to apply for it. And it's been in waiting for a couple months. But yet they won't let me link my material. I'm a little frustrated about that because I'm one of those stupid idiots that bought the blue tick. And I've been paying for it. Message to fucking Twitter. Come on. You know, I've built models to support you guys and blog about it. Come on. You know, either, you know, don't downfall. I know it, it has people leave your site, but none of the other social media sites are doing that. Right? That's an issue. It's an issue. Like, why are you doing that? None of the other sites are doing Why are you doing it? Right? And if you are going to do it, then give me an option to monetize on Twitter. Right? I might, you know, just a small fraction of my followers will pay me. Yeah, and then I'll put the blog out in long format on Twitter, which you've given that option the the blue tickers. Anyways, that's a side fucking rant for Twitter. Yeah, economic models. You know, I am discovering just a bunch of fuckery. Um, I just I don't I don't take economic models serious. I don't. You know, show me a paper. I'm gonna go right to the math. If your math is funky and bullshitty, I'm out. I'm not going to read one fucking word on your paper, what you discovered. Right? It's not dynamic, too. I'm not going not gonna to read it. If it's, you know, discrete, you know, periods of time, right? So, you know, sequ- sequ- sequential analysis, right? Keynes had to employ this because he lived in the 1930s. We don't live in the fucking 1930s anymore. There are computers that can do this for you. Use system dynamics. Fuck's sakes. Come on. Fuck. Just, God. Sickening. Sickening. <sighs> it's still hot here. It's still hot. I decided to wear a shirt. Douglas, the MMT macro trader, bit my style on his latest live stream. Wearing wearing a sleeveless shirt. That guy. And check out his show every Wednesday, 8 p.m. I think I got that right. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Great show. Him and Biggio. Great show. Anyways, make sure you're following me, you know, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube. Hit the like button. Hit me up with a message uh, underneath the video. Any thoughts on the topic of economic modeling or any thoughts at all, hit me up and I'll hit you back. I like you guys. Till next week. See you later.